Zag Linguichichi. I'm so popular. Last week, my dear sister Angel and I talked about the paintings of Goya and the Scream franchise. And for the third week in a row, I'm joined by a drag queen once again in my house. Who are you? I am Natmara, used to be called Die Schwarze Frau for 10 years. Hello. 10 years? Yes. Oh. <laughs> I changed my name this year. This year? Yeah. Well, welcome. Thank you. And, uh... Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. It's my pleasure. What are you doing? Well, we're having a, a little bit of a campai right now. Yep. We're having a few drinks yeah. sitting in my house. Mm-hmm. Gave you a tour of the place. Yes. And uh, <laughs> we are going to talk about some of my favorite horror movies mm-hmm. of all time. And yours too, I, I assume. Yeah. I'm yeah. very excited because I've always wanted to talk about Argento. But I, like I mentioned on the Patreon, I've yeah. never been able to have like a full conversation. So the last question I always ask everyone is, why are we friends? <laughs> why are we friends? Uh-huh. Well... Yeah, why, why, why the fuck are we... Who introduced us? I can't f- remember. Stephanie did. Stephanie did? Yeah. So Stephanie knew you before... Well... My drag daughter, Stephanie. Right. She knew you from where? So I ran into Stephanie at a Kiki ball. Ah, so you met recently in Tokyo. Yes. So oh, right. Stephanie was um, performing in Bazaar. And we had a she quick... Was. Yeah, yeah, we had a quick conversation. She was walking in Bazaar, which is when you... Walk the runway uh, in front of judges, and uh, the bizarre category is you're supposed to make yourself look as inhuman as possible. She's perfect for that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so when I uh, got to talk to her, I, was, I loved your like your runway presentation, and uh, she told me about House von Schwartz, and she's like, actually, like, oh, you do drag as well. Like, we have like, um, we do the Casket of Horrors event. Yeah. You should compete in it, and so she had me send me a video of me performing in Nagoya, and said I, I got to perform. Yes. So. It's, I remember this now. So Stephanie sent me, there's a new queen in town. Her name is Chichi Langley. And I was uh-huh. if not a Chichi. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> Let's see what she can bring to the table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then she sent me the video, I think. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, okay, this could be interesting. I think I sent the video of me doing an FKA Twig song when I pulled the chains out of my pussy, maybe. Or maybe it was the no. St. Vincent one when I ripped up the Bible. I don't remember. I don't remember either. Yeah. In any case. <laughs> in, in any case. <laughs> but yes, you're the mother of House von Schwartz. That's right. I'm the mother of House von Schwartz. So the I also been a drag queen for 10 plus years uh-huh. and been doing like cross-dressing for at least 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and so you have been doing this for a long time in Tokyo. and I'm, That's right. I'm so honored to have uh, someone oh. who I think is like a real like tastemaker and cultural influence in the in the city here to join me. Oh my oh, god. please tell me more. <laughs> I'd be happy to. But as I was talking about Angel, I think House on Shores and the alternative project that you all have put together is so refreshing and like it could only happen in Tokyo. If you yeah. did like a like a horror house, I think anywhere else in the world it wouldn't feel as cutting edge or interesting. Oh really? But there's like mm. a lot of horror houses in America. Yeah, but who gives a fuck? America's already <laughs> a horror show, you know? <laughs> At least in, it feels transgressive here. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Like we're definitely um I don't think there's ever been a horror house uh, of drag queens in Tokyo before. Yeah. No. So I'm very privileged that I've got to perform with you all and see your shows a few times. So. Thank you. Yeah, sure. no, we love to have you. Hey. And you fit right the fuck in. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, tell me a little bit about how you got started with drag and, and your history with the art form. I've always been really fascinated with, like, goth and, like, the spooky imaginary mystery stuff. Mm-hmm. And 
a bit of the cult as well. So yeah. I started off, you know, like being really, really in love with uh, like Disney villains and anime villains and, mm-hmm. you know, villainesses, I should say, maybe. Yeah. Uh, especially <laughs> females for some reason, because they were so gorgeous and they were like, glamorous. Glamorous mm. as fuck. Yeah. So that's, I always had that in me, but I didn't really thought about expressing it myself until I'm, I come across Visual K music. Ah. Right. So that's where we're going. <laughs> and are you familiar with Visual K music? I am. Yeah. Uh, and that's also the reason why I came to Japan to begin with. Really? So I actually didn't start cross-dressing because of drag. I, I started because of Visual K. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that means that you kind of started like a little bit even before Drag Race, a long time before long Drag Race time. was yeah. a serious thing, <laughs> especially if you were cross-dressing for all that time. So mm-hmm. you really have like a pure, like unfiltered take on it. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing your shows too, you have such an essence of storytelling. Oh, thank you. And your costuming. Oh my God. You make like basically everything and like it's so collab well not everything no you don't make everything but like some part I do I mean that's all that counts because uh, like you made that amazing like monstrous headpiece with like the, right. the teeth on it for the last yeah. show I was inspired by Mao Dante and the creature from the Black Lagoon and, mm-hmm. and like sea monsters in general and it looked incredible on stage. It did. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you have <laughs> just such a wonderful uh, take on it. How did you like develop your performance style? It's been growing throughout the years. Like in the beginning, it was just me, like in a goth dress, uh, all white makeup, uh-huh. and like puking blood on stage. And after that, I thought, well, this is just gonna get me so much attention from a certain type of, of goth people crowd. Uh-huh. So I started out performing in goth clubs. Like, a similar experience we that had we this weekend. That we went to last weekend, yeah. yeah. When I took Longley to her first goth party. <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing. <laughs> I had the time of my life, really. Yes, you were living. I was. I was a little embarrassed because I knew I was getting really into the music and like... No! I, I, I mean, was going for it. I love that music even today and it's so rare nowadays to, to go to goth parties, I think. Uh-huh. Like... When I came here 15 years ago, I used to go, like, every week, like, two, three times. Wow. Now there's nothing. <laughs> I mean, I just... It was so refreshing to me, because um, on the Patreon, we were talking a little bit about how ironed out Tokyo has become with a exactly. lot of its culture. Yeah. It still felt very lively and fresh and challenging when we were up until 7 a.m. with everyone <laughs> in their getup. It was fabulous. It was. <sighs> and also, like, the outside part of it. Like, you always oh. go in and out, mm-hmm. and... It's fun inside a club, but it's also really fun outside, just shit-talking to everybody. That's my and favorite like, thing in the world. I know! Street drinking. Yes. I started a group on Facebook called um, Team Gaijin Street Drink Trash People or something like that. That sounds exactly like my... my <laughs> because I, I can't drink on the street in America. It's such a novelty to me here. Same! I'm Swedish, so in Sweden they don't allow you to drink in the streets. Oh. Not on the train, not anywhere. And like here? Everywhere. Yeah. It's yeah. a party. You can, great. I think you can drink in a car as long as you're not driving into <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> I mean, many times. Yeah. Yeah, when I used to work with a bunch of uptight Japanese people, too, uh-huh. they rented a fucking bus, and we did, like, a nomikai in the oh, back of the bus before, so... That's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So I was just so inspired to see the goth culture, like, so lively and uh, <laughs> vibrant. I'm so thankful you took me. I was me. so happy to see so many people there, actually, because, oh, yeah. you know, there hasn't been a, a party in a while, so, you know... Uh. The, the clubs that I used to work for, they're called Tokyo Dark Castle and Midnight Mess. Mm-hmm. They're still somewhat going, but they're, 
their audience has decreased to like almost nothingness. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, especially during COVID. Yeah. So um, like, uh, it was really refreshing to see there was actually people going out to this one. Yeah. And it's called Dikuse. I think. Did you sir? Yeah, it, which means like the kiss in, <gasps> in German. The kiss. <gasps> the kiss. The kiss. And it was hosted by Plastic Sooms, which is well, that was the, the band. They were fucking amazing. They were amazing. Oh, I can't get over it. I was thinking about them the whole next day. You saw me get possessed. Yeah. I was going cuckoo bananas. They were so good. Like, yes. I've seen them many years ago, but I think the, like uh, in at Saturday's event, uh-huh. they were so good. So we, we i never seen them that good before. Oh. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your love for Visual K, because I am fascinated by the medium. I'm not very <laughs> well-versed in it, but I think it's a culture worth knowing about. So how did you Absolutely. get into it? So I got into it during a time when um, there was no YouTube. There was no, like, um, big source of information. We had the internet, obviously, and that's how I found it. Mm-hmm. But it was still, like, really early days, and... I didn't know what Visual K was, and I saw some images of Manasama in particular. Oh, yeah. from Alice Miser. From Alice Miser. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I was like, wow. And I was really into goth at that time. Uh-huh. So I was like, who is this gorgeous person? And I thought, as many people, there was just a go- gorgeous goth girl. And then uh-huh. after doing some research, I figured out, oh, this is actually a dude. <gasps> and I was like... How is this even fucking possible? Yeah. And then I was like, look. And then I got my grasp on some Visual K videos, Mm -hmm. which was really, really hard to get in that time. So I did more research about Visual K. I I realized the music genre was Visual K. And then I also got to listen to a few MP3s Mm. uh, that I found online as well. And uh, it all just started from there. Like in my, in my like childhood house i guess that's amazing yeah i mean even back in like 2006 which you know internet was much uh, more popular then but when i was getting into japanese pop music Mm -hmm. the amount of work that you had to do you had to you had to have your own personal collection that you could like trade with other people to get stuff absolutely it was absolutely and it charged so much for it like Mm -hmm. and if you wanted something like from japan you had to pay an arm and a leg yeah yeah I mean, it was just, but I really appreciated the amount of passion that like went into it because you really had to yes. care so much and yes. fight to like listen to the stuff you were interested in. And when I like graduated uh, high school and moved to Stockholm, which is like the biggest city in Sweden, mm-hmm. uh, there was like actually uh, groups that was into J Rock and Visual K, mm. and there was also like very easy to get magazines and stuff. So oh, cool. My favorite club in Stockholm was called Club Lunacy. And uh, it was basically, they just played J-Rock and Michelle K the whole night. Oh, I love that. So I went there every fucking time. And <laughs> the, the fun thing was that everybody dressed up, like either cosplay or like, so that's also a little bit how I started drag, I guess. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I think for me, like my, um, my first Visual K group was uh, Exist Trace. Do you know them? Oh, yes. The Wait, girls? Desperate Trace. No. No, Exist Trace. They're Exist very Trace. not popular. No, I don't know Exist Trace. It's a bunch of girls. I saw oh, them yeah. at an anime convention when oh, I was, cool, and cool. I loved them. I'm, I love anime conventions. I do too. I'm a complete apologist for it. They're so much fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then I got into Malice Miser and like, Manasama is just the most transfixing. Oh. He is this beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful boy. When he puts his makeup on, it is like truly mystifying how gorgeous and how talented of a performer oh, he is yes <sighs> obsessed 
I think about um the Bel Air song like yes, every day of my Air. life. Oh. I, that song is transcendental. It should be played in my funeral. <laughs> I know. When I die, I want Gak to sing, you know, fucking <laughs> Bel Air at my yes. funeral. That whole record that that song is on, I can't remember the name Marvels. of it. That's it. But I know how to say it. I, I cannot speak French. Why is all the titles in French? They love France. They do. Yeah. They love doilies <laughs> and lace and baguettes. <laughs> yes. It's such a unique culture. I wish it was a... Uh, I wish it was as powerful as it was like back then as it is as it could be now. I but, know. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, even when I came here, two thousand seven, uh, it was somewhat already dying out, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So like, of course, Madis Mister was not around anymore. Yeah. And uh, like a few of my other bands that I really like from the nineties was not around either. Yeah. So like, but I still had a a, a really. It's still it was still much much. Uh, more popular than it is nowadays. Oh, I'm so it's just so interesting to hear about this stuff. So <laughs> yeah. thank you for telling me all about your. I used to go to like I used to go to like indie lives mm-hmm. almost every week <sighs> when I came here as a student. Yeah, and dress up in like I don't know curls and frills and you know everything and everything. just get your life exactly. And it was so funny to see how actual it's supposed to be at a real Visual K live comparing uh-huh. to how everybody com- did it in Europe, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I, I did go to see uh, Marisma and some other bands in Europe <gasps> in 2005. Well, you saw? And what? You saw them live? Yes, of course. No, Marisma, not Ma- Marisma. Oh, oh, my God. I thought no. you said you saw them live. I was going to, like, no, lose my no, mind. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I've, ne- I've only seen one uh, Visual Gay concert my entire life. Which was? It was Exist Trace, who you don't know yet. <laughs> Jesus. I know. i got to get... I'll, I'll send you a few of their songs. They're good. Okay. Well, you need to go to more Visual Gay lives. <laughs> I know. I need to go to one. i got to go to a real one. But, you know, you from now on... need to experience a real deal. And from now on, I mean, you opened me up to the goth party thing, and I feel like my whole world is about to change. I already told my boyfriend, I'm like, sorry, I'm going to be busy on Saturday this week because I got to go to another goth party. Exactly. And next, I'm going to introduce you to the Visual K scene, I, I guess. Just, just get, show me everything. Yeah. I mean, I had enough success that last time, you know, I was not even, like, dressed up as Chi-Chi and I still got some smacks and kisses. So everything you I've ever like wanted. You were, like, owning the night. <laughs> <laughs> In the best possible way. Oh, I mean, it's... I honestly think uh, you don't know me until you've drank with me. I'm, That's true. I'm a unique character. Let's yeah, just say yeah. that. <laughs> but speaking of all this, like, rock music and, like, soupy European gloop, we are talking about Dario Argento today. That's right. Now... Um, on my show, usually I do something that's a little high art and low art, or something a little new and something old. All right. And on this episode, I think one is more high art than the other, but... like Which a, Like a classic giallo, I'm not going to tell anyone. It's a mystery. All right, all right. Everyone can figure it out for themselves, okay. the mystery at home. Okay. But we're talking about um, two of his uh, most prominent features, which are Profundo Rosso, Deep mm-hmm. Red, and Suspiria. Yes. And uh, I think we'll talk a little bit about Deep Red first, but... Before we even get into that, yeah, what is your story with Argento? So I've always been really, really fascinated with horror movies ever since I was a kid. So it's a common theme on the last three weeks. Of yeah, my I know. Show. Like I don't want to repeat what's just been said. The, the, no, but it's Halloween. The, That's the whole point of the yeah, month. It's and the first movie I got to see as a kid was Halloween. Oh, so welcome to Halloween. Like <laughs> That's great. And that movie changed my life so much because mm-hmm. up until then I. I've never seen a horror movie before in my whole life. And I was like nine or ten years old. Oh, and for Halloween to be the first must have been revolutionary for you. It was revolutionary because it's so great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
that also made me a huge fan of um, Young Carpenter, obviously. Yeah. And uh, the music and like the intensity of that movie. Yeah. And it's before Suspiria, isn't it? It's like one yeah, or two yeah. year before, I think just earlier. one or you. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But it's also like 70s, mid-70s, something like that. Because yeah, Suspiria was 1977. Yeah, 77. I think Halloween was... Actually, Halloween might have been much earlier than that. No, I don't think it was much earlier. Really? Yeah. Let's see. 70... Oh, 1978. Suspiria came Suspiria first. Suspiria was first. Whoa. Oh, so maybe Halloween was inspired by Suspiria. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Interesting. <gasps> who That's know? very interesting. Yeah. Oh, who could who would have known? I thought it was 1976. Well, I mean, Halloween feels like... It feels older. I mean, it feels like the <laughs> most... Like, it feels like the progenitor of all horror. Like, when we were talking about and Scream slashers. last week, it just, like... It originates everything that Scream is about. And it's like... Oh, a, for sure. It yeah. originates all of those primordial, like, fears about the loss of innocence and sexuality yes. as uh, guilt for death. And I also love the opening sequence. Me too. When it's, like, just a kid and, like, go and stab up his sister. It's so good. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, I don't think that's ever been done before with a child killer. No, I mean, and also, it's scary. It's it, scary. It, it, it's it maintains, yeah. Because yeah. I only watched it for the first time, I think, maybe six years ago or so. All right, yeah. And I immediately fell in love with it. I love yeah. the first two quite a bit. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. And then everything else is funny. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I saw every all of them when I was really young, mm-hmm. so I cannot really... For me, it was still scary, all of them, when I, when I saw them the first time. And it gave me nightmares for, like, days. But oh, I loved it. Like <laughs> The shape. Yeah. It's coming. So, I know. And what's also really, really scary about the first one is mm-hmm. that he escapes in the end. Of course. So it's like, it's it's a haunting nightmare. You, you know he's still out there and he can be outside of your window every night. You know? Right. So you're exposed to Halloween. You yeah. uh, are introduced to this beautiful genre of uh, sensory, sensual films. And then how did we get all the way up to Argento? So a few years later, I was dating this girl. Yeah, a girl. And, <laughs> and she introduced me to this movie, actually, because she knew I was into, go- into horror movies. Uh-huh. So I have to give her credit for showing me this masterpiece uh-huh. of Suspiria. And uh, the funny thing is, I was not... Um, I was in a very... Um, what is it like in a very like bra- brain fucked kind of mind uh-huh. when I was dating her? Obviously, I was not open. Mm. I was not out. I was like closer to, to myself, yeah. and it was a really hard time for me in my personal life in school as well. I was bullied, and like it was like I was not comfortable being myself. Mm. So I couldn't appreciate the movie as much as I probably would if I saw it in another time of my life. If that makes sense. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I kind of felt I didn't like it the first time I watched it. You didn't? No, I That's mean, so interesting. I mean, I was. Uh, I felt like. How the, old were you? I was Pro- 15. Yeah, I think I must have been like. I think I was 13 or 14. I think that if I would have watched it later, I would have appreciated yeah, it more. For sure. I felt that when I was watching it the first time that I was like missing something. Yeah. And. When I was like revisiting it later, that's when I really fell in love with same, it. Same, same. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Were you also like in a bad, bad state of mind at that time? Oh, absolutely. Like, probably, yeah. Yeah, when I was 15, my dad and I were in like the worst fights of our life. Oh, shit. Yeah, like we weren't yeah. speaking. I had just come out of the closet. I, uh, oh yeah, I was a big mm. mess for little Miss Me in high school. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. 
But I mean, uh, that's that year that I was like in such like dire straits with him. I spent yeah. the entire year like uh, just watching fucking movies the whole time. <laughs> so it kind of turned out well for me, honestly. So it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like until a few years later when I rewatched it. And I, I was like, this is fucking brilliant. You know, yeah. it's like, wow. And then I started to like watch other Dark Argento movies. Yeah. And I fell in love and I was like, this is so good. Yeah. <laughs> What attracts you to Argento? What are the qualities that you love? One of the aspects that no, not many people talk about is the mystery aspect of it. Because it's... I'm, yes. I'm also, uh, when I was a kid as well, before I discovered horror movies, I, did, I was very much in love with like Scooby-Doo and stuff like that. <laughs> like trying to figure out how, who the killer was mm-hmm. and you know, stuff like that. So I guess I'm always like up for a good mystery, mm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. Well, I feel like um, my attraction to Argento is that he makes very deeply sexual movies. These movies oh. are very horny, I think. You think so? Oh, yes. Yeah? Every kill scene <laughs> in so interesting. every movie is just yeah. a sex scene. Whenever he's uh, butchering <laughs> these people, male or female, he does it in this lavishing, elegant way that puts these beautiful porno, garish colors all over the set. And it's this yes, bright... Yes, like district. Exactly. Yeah. And it's all these huge, vibrant, bright colors. And yeah. it's all about how <laughs> excited he is to watch this violence. And I, you know, I wasn't like sexually stimulated, but I immediately understood like the passion behind it. I see. Yeah. I never thought about that before. But now that you mention it... I think it somewhat makes sense. And it makes sense that because he, in I think every movie, he's the mm-hmm. killer's hands. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, whenever the yeah. hand, because there's a lot of like POV shots or, and it's always the, <laughs> the gloved hand <laughs> reaching out and stabbing and poking. And the fact that that's the director like doing all of it in these beautifully shot, incredibly orchestrated like, sequences, <laughs> he's making a, art out of death. And I find that really oh, beautiful. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's like an art movie. If you're into art, you will love Suspiria or uh, Profondo Rosso. Yeah, I think so too. And um, I don't know. I, these movies were really fundamental to like my growth as like someone who like loves art. Because oh, right. in some ways, they're a lot of fun and they're like funny and like kind of silly and campy. But they are very alien, especially to the American taste, because the, oh. the dubbing, the ADR oh, the dubbing, that they yeah. do, yeah. is immediately makes you feel weird watching the movie. It's quite uncomfortable, yes. isn't it? And the editing is choppy and strange. Yeah. Uh, the music is loud and repetitive. Oh, and but it's is, gorgeous. I, I know, it's gorgeous. <laughs> and it's so foreign and like such a strange object that yes. it really started teaching me how to like work to like something. Because like, like I said, I didn't like Suspiria at first. I had to like teach myself to like it, basically. No, I think that is a very good point of view because probably when I watched it also the first time with, with my ex-girlfriend, we... Uh, she loved it, obviously, but I couldn't see the, the, the goodness in it. Mm-hmm. Like, And I think it might have been because it's so such a foreign uh, horror movie comparing to all the American stuff that it was fed to me all the time. Yes, yeah. Oh, it's completely different. Yeah, completely and different. I think I had been watching like the screen movies and stuff before, which are you know as yeah. I discussed last episode, yeah. or you know postmodern and everything. Oh, same here. I was so used to that kind of like slasher American style. Yeah, horror. slasher like yeah. self aware like mm-hmm. winking, and there is nothing ironic There's about nothing these ironic. movies. No, they're even though sometimes they kind of malfunction and are like broken. There's camp element, but that's not the same as irony. Right, because the camp camp people always miss is camp is almost never intentional. 
camp is like incidental. It happens by mistake, right? <laughs> yes. So more or less. That's why these movies are camp and interesting. Oh right. And so I love that these movies like take work and they're like awkward and weird and like horny. You could never make a movie like this. And it's also when I saw them again that I I thought to myself like I really want to become a a movie director. I thought the same thing. Oh. oh. Yes. <laughs> I remember in high school like like the third time I watched the Spirit and it finally clicked with me. I got my little camera out and I like wrote my friends up and was like Girls, we're going to make a movie, and it's inspired by Suspiria. Nice. <laughs> Everybody wants that fantasy of that movie, you know. Yes. Yeah. And it's so, like, uh, intricate. There's so much going on, mm -hmm. and it's, like, so many different scenarios, even though they're somewhat at the same place the whole time. Yeah. But it's, like, it's, it's like you never know what's going to come next. It's, like, yes. they keep, it keeps you on your toes, which I really love. Yes, because the plots are so incoherent. Yeah. <laughs> they are, like, the plots are, like, made um, at the drop of a hat. Uh, conclusions don't make any sense. Like, everything is bizarre and unwieldy. And because of that, it's a constant, unpredictable nightmare. So, let's talk about the first of these two movies. All right, so shall we go to Profondo Rosso? So, yes, this is 1975, Deep Red, Profondo Rosso. Two years Rosso. before Suspiria. Yes. Mm -hmm. However, funny enough, um, they released both Suspiria and Profondo Rosso in Japan. And uh, do you know what they marketed? I do, Suspiria Part 2. I know, even though it was made before. Made before and completely unrelated, but I love it. Suspiria Part 2. I agree. What is Inferno called in Japanese? Inferno. Oh, right, because that is actually the sequel. That's the actual sequel. <laughs> but they don't call it Suspiria No, 3. of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just Inferno. Oh, so. right, Inferno. Yeah, but uh, we have uh, Deep Red, and uh, it has to be mentioned first that Argento kind of got his start as a Jalo filmmaker. He did. And if I recall correctly, Mario Baba was one of the originators of That's the movement right. with like he, Blood and Black Lace. He coincided the... the genre giallo which means yellow yes yellow and they call it yellow because um they were adapting and inspired by these cheap italian paperback novels that always had a signature yellow spine exactly and so it's a very specific genre it of is. film it is a mystery it's, it's violent it's yeah. rapey it's mm -hmm. its own universe and uh, <laughs> we don't have anything like in any other country probably not like there's like you know this mystery crime drama novels in every country so i guess but it's not probably the same no because there's so much um element on um it's hard to say exactly what it is but i feel like the element that makes giallo like unique mm -hmm. is just how dead set it is on the gaudiness and the flashiness and the exuberance and the decadence <laughs> because uh oh. the genre fundamentally knows that these like murders are fascinating and interesting and yes. so it, it spends so much time making a spectacle out of them I see. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's yes. also one of the reasons I really like them. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, because, um, you know, imagining death and murder as a spectacle, mm -hmm. that idea has been around for a long time, but it wouldn't really make its way into film until much later. Yeah. And, like, uh, it's funny that we talked about, like, Scream last week, because that movie is all about how horrifying it is that death is a spectacle and this is the exact opposite it's very happy that death is a is a spectacle <laughs> and it revels in it yeah but the yeah. to kind of describe the plot a little bit of a movie that virtually has no plot <laughs> at all it's about a piano 
a piano jazz player from America. Oh, right. And a yeah. news reporter. Mm-hmm. And the piano player stumbles across a violent murder of a psychic. That's right. And it kicks off a whole mystery. When um, he goes to Rome, right? Uh, oh, I, no, no. No, this... because they shot it somewhere else that's not Rome. Uh-huh. And I don't remember the name of the city. They shot it up. Uh, Perugia? Perugia? Where the fuck is that? It's in Italy. I think some oh, of it was okay. in Rome, but most of it oh, was in that, that part of the... Oh, I see. No. Yeah. I just meant it's not New York. It's like in Italy. Yeah, no. The yeah. whole... Th- very Italian. Yeah, very Italian. Yeah. And that's also one thing that I really love about the movie. Like, all the settings. Yes. All this, like, empty squares with the fountains. Always you know, completely empty. So Always completely fucking empty, which I didn't... Ex- I didn't see that once when I was there as a tourist. No. <laughs> Unfortunately. No, because these movies are accessing, like, another world. But yes. Basically, the, to summarize the plot of this movie, which is, like, a completely hopeless endeavor, to be honest. But it's just, I think the plot is the least... It's uh, always the least important yeah, part. Yeah, it's the least important part. Yeah. Yeah. What, what does he even do? He, like, looks around for some stuff. He talks to some people. A detective finds some It's so weird why he's get engaged in the murders. Like, why is... Why does he care so much? He's I know, just a piano like, player. It doesn't make sense at all. Don't get involved. Yeah. <laughs> He's like going into like abandoned houses and like scratching he, at walls. I'm like, you have nothing to do with this. <laughs> he basically becomes obsessed with figuring out uh, who the killer is yes. right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. When he sees this first man getting killed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, what makes this movie so fascinating, as all Argento movies, is just the uh, visual audacity Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Because it just is so intense. And the music. Yes. And the build-ups. We had to talk about the music, which is all done by Goblin. Yes, Goblin. Oh, I love him so much. I mean, it's a signature part of his films. Oh, yes. Yes. The movies without Goblins are also good, but like... It's all about them. Yeah, it's all about them. And they do this... In every Argento movie that their music comes in... Uh-huh. They make one extraordinarily memorable Track. earworm yeah. catch, and then they play it over, <laughs> over and, and over, over again. And over again. So loud as yes, well. So loud. Louder than everything else in the movie. Oh, absolutely! All the other music <laughs> like, fades in comparison. <laughs> I know, and but it's like the kind of effect it has is like sort of like. It's almost hypnotizing. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you feel like you're being sucked into this impossible, <laughs> like, phony world with all, like, the big, like, painted fake sets and stuff. And just hearing this music on a loop over and mm-hmm. over again. Especially in Deep Red, because it has that, like, yeah. that child song, right? They do. It's which a, I really like. It's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's so <laughs> creepy. And we have to talk about the dolls as well. Oh! The <gasps> mannequins, the dolls. Like, they're so fucking creepy. And it has... Okay. That... The dolls... I cannot... It has nothing to do with the it's movie. It has nothing to do with it. And that's why they are so fucking scary. Yeah. I The first time I watched this, I actually screamed out loud. There's not many jump scares in this movie, but the few ones they have is really effective and no. really like gets to you. Because you don't understand the motive of this killer. You don't understand yeah. what's going on. All you see is them <laughs> die over and over yeah. again. And then all of a sudden, it's a doll horror movie. I know. And fucking creepy dolls always creeps me out. I think about the scene when the detective is in the school, I think. Oh, right. To look for the painting. He's looking... Whatever, whatever. reason. Yeah. The detective is in the school and he, he... There's a jump scare obviously set up. And, like, you're prepared to get scared yeah. by it. But... It's a black corner in this beautifully furnished room. Uh And the last thing you'd ever imagine comes out. And it's a 
creepy little oh, mannequin that doll. Oh, that scared me to fuck out. It's running at him it's full so, force. It's horrifying. It's so scary. It's that, so scary. It's so scary. That that had me scream too when I saw it the first time. It, uh, <laughs> the only reason it's scary is because... So unexpected. It's so unexpected. And I kept thinking about this watching these movies is that Argento seems to be genuinely incompetent. I, <laughs> what do you mean? I feel like he actually is like... He has no idea what he's writing about. He just is like spitting his ideas out like full force onto the script. There it is. There it is. Yeah, no. He just has like these like general notions about things and he just trusts his instincts and then runs at it without making an excuse, a motive, a reason. He just trusts his instincts and then makes this chaotic force. But the thing is, I also think that he has been very like introduced into this very specific category which mm-hmm. is called Jalio and uh, he's like he started off with the with the animal tri- trilogy yeah which is a bird of the crystal plumage shadow nine tails yeah and uh, four flies of gray velvet right 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 uh, which is very much like mystery kind of very, not as much horror but very intense as well and yeah. very like Gaudi yeah and I love them me too <laughs> <laughs> so you can tell that because he did those three movies and some other movies, he he knew how to perfect every aspect of the Jalio in yeah. Deep Red. And I it's think. interesting, too, because I think that Deep Red is kind of the transition point in his career when mm-hmm. he starts to really oh, absolutely. lean closer to horror. Yeah. So you see this traditional genre that he's kind of become a master in, and then he's willfully yeah. breaking it apart with that damn knife that he's literally wielding. I know. <clears throat> it's so fascinating. It is. Yeah. And... Because that he's just trusting his instincts. Yeah. I feel like he just looks at the world, doesn't think twice about it, and then just spits it back out as he imagines it. <laughs> and I feel like that is a really incredible artistic instinct. It's a fresh take. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, thinking back on Scream last week, that those movies are so buried in thinking and thinking and thinking. And these movies are very sensual and libidinal. He just has a compulsion towards an image and he... <laughs> Like the little running mannequin, he runs I right know. at it. Yeah, and it works so good. Yeah, and it leads to some really interesting plot devices as well because it uh, does. this has gay people in it. Yes, Gays. gay. There's a gay character. Yes, and the main character goes to for advice. <laughs> and I love this because uh, yeah, they think that the gay guy is the killer. At some point, they do. Yeah, in the, in the third act, they yeah. think it's him. It turns yeah. out to be his mom, but um. The, the big joke about it is that it makes so much sense that, of course, he ends up gay because he has a psychotic mom. Ah! And anyone who has a psychotic mom ends up being a gay like me. <laughs> spoiler alert. Spo- My show has no spoilers. Everyone who listens knows that they have got to watch this stuff before. They don't get to... That's up to them. Oh, good. They have to watch the movies before they come back. Here. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's up to them, but... Okay, can we tell more about the mom, though? Because she's fucking brilliant. Oh, my God. She's so camp. She's so camp. Yeah. And she's fat. She's, like... She has this wretched haircut. She's, like, a a deprived um, Liza Minnelli, basically. She literally looks like Liza Minnelli. (laughs) (laughs) No, like, literally. She does. And here's the idea. Liza Minnelli has a male child failed actress career over and she spins into mania and becomes a serial yes, killer yes this is fundamentally true it's absolutely yeah does Lyman Manel have children Judy Garland is her mom I know but does she have children I think Liza Minnelli is a little bit more sane good 
But Judy Garland, if she had produced a child, that would have been a scary faggot. Oh, a male... Uh, yeah, because yeah, the child has to be a man for them yeah, to turn out. Yeah, I know, I know, but like... <laughs> I don't know if Liza Minnelli has... Kids. I don't know. I feel like... Who cares? But if she does, <laughs> they must turn gay. Like Yeah, they've got to be... They've got to be They're, they're going to be deep, deep red characters. They, they are. Yeah. They're going to be serial killers... And gay. And so here, like, this is what I imagine, is that Argento is, like, sitting in Italy, and he just is, like, thinking about who would be a serial killer, and he's, like, crazy women, mm-hmm. and then uh, they produce gay children, and... Obviously. You could not make it that movie that says that these days. It would not... You cannot. Oh, no. No, no. No, no, no. No, Absolutely. The only way that people uh, depict gay people now is, like, his punchlines and, like, uh, Halloween kills and stuff. Everyone, all the gay characters are always just, like... They're heroes. Yeah, and... And it's kind of boring. It's boring. Gay people aren't heroes. Gay no, people are not. conflicted and violent. I I would like to take, like, the villainous gay back. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. It's so... Ugh. It's kind of like... Why do we have to be good all of a sudden? Like, it doesn't make sense either. I'm not good. No. I'm a bad person. Right? Objectively. Oh, good? <laughs> <laughs> it's good you're bad. <laughs> I know. See, I, I am a sinister person, and mm-hmm. uh, I... You're a sodomite. Yes, I'm a sodomite. First I, class. First class. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel much more like the deep rever... Deep rever... Sorry, that's the Utari Hikaru album. <laughs> I think I said that earlier, too. I feel much more like the deep red, sinister, homosexual oh, child of a manic woman than any gay man I've seen on screen in the last 15 years. I Are you kidding? I can relate to them much more. Yes. Because yeah. I'm also plotting. And I will shoot someone for my mother. <laughs> well, you know, you have to take care of your family. Yes, I do. Especially my mother, who I have a very deranged attachment to. Okay. So, of course. Okay, okay. <laughs> Sounds, um, <laughs> sane. <laughs> exactly. I'm definitely not going to kill anyone. Don't worry. I've only made references, like, to me maybe killing someone, like, mm-hmm. in the last four episodes, so okay. it's probably still fine. Oh, right. How many corpses have they found so far? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, the murders in this are wonderful. They are fucking gorgeous. The gay guy gets dragged behind a truck that is, it's really inexplicable how it happens. <laughs> And then he gets his head run over by a different car. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> the, the part I really like is when they go to this house, though. The country house? The country house. Uh-huh. With this woman being killed. Yes. Don't really understand who she is. I don't understand is, who she is. Why, why, she's why she's being there. killed. What's going on? <laughs> well, obvious, that's also one of the creepiest murder, I think. Yeah, because it's, it's so just... inexplicable. Yes, and so many dolls and so many like creepy stuff happening. She's the one who gets drowned in the bath, right? That's right. Yes. And actually, that's some of the best parts. And she, she's effects. writing something on the mirror as she's dying. A clue for the detective or, or the main guy. I think he writes a name or something. Yeah. I don't and know. And it leads him <laughs> to go to the next step. Like, But it's so... I love that scene so much. It's yeah. like... It's, it's really stuck with me. Like, me too. Yeah. Watching her slowly die. Yeah. And write that name in this utter state of pain and agony. It's uh, surprisingly yeah. well acted for an Argento movie too. It's very good. And it's beautiful. Yeah. It makes me want to get drowned in a bathtub. <laughs> See, all these movies are fantasy. Argento knows it too. Like He like yeah. knows that it's like... <laughs> imagine that you're dying, but you're dying mm-hmm. in the most beautiful lighting, in this blue tile, in <sighs> sparkling so water. Like, before I die, I need to like... Camera, crew, come yes. here, take me from this angle. Exactly. Yeah. Argento understands that death is glamorous. Oh, absolutely. 
I, like, I don't think character... any other directors really know about that. I've never seen a, a death as glamorous as any of these in film ever. No. And uh, the, the main villain, the mother, the way yeah. she dies is perfection. It's perfection. She gets her necklace caught in an elevator and it's <laughs> the elevator goes up and slowly pulls her head off. Yeah. It's beautiful. Don't you want to <laughs> die like that? Well, I don't know. About I that. do. do I, you? I wanna I wanna you die. Wanna get strangled? I wanna get strangled, I wanna get my uh my head chopped off, I wanna get mm. drowned in the hot bath. Oh, there's so much joy for you in hell. I know. <laughs> I see if if you and I get sent to hell, babe, but it's so fierce. It's like boots aesthetic on the runway. <laughs> this show oh is secretly God. about how much I wanna die on like in a beautiful way. Alright, so. alright. Argento gets me like that. Oh, he does. And speaking of beautiful murders, we should talk about Suspiria too. Yes, so let's take a break and then we'll we'll go into Suspiria. understood the fabulous death drive and worship of the divine death image um, in uh, deep red. Why We're... is there an eyelash on the floor? <laughs> That's nasty! <laughs> oh, do you know where this one came from? No, and I don't want to know. You don't? No, it's nasty. Okay, I'll, I'll just uh, sign language it to you. Okay. And then no I, I cried and it came way. off. Yeah. Oops. Oopsie. Having understood death and eyelashes on the floor of my apartment, <laughs> you know you're a drag queen's houseman. Absolutely. When you stamp on eyelashes. Suspiria is a movie all about eyelashes on the floor. It's... Absolutely. <laughs> okay, this movie is one of the most transfixing, um, absolutely transcendental horror movies ever made. I have friends who don't really respect it or, or like it that much. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, I've heard lots of people feel disappointed by it. Like, they don't get it. And I, like I said, I didn't get it either at first. Yeah, me too. But then you you learn to like it. And then what you get for learning to like it is one of the most sexual, libidinal, horrifying statements about gender, sex, the world. It's It's, euphoria, I think. Yeah. It's like... Like, one of my best experiences was when I rewatched it with one of my best friends here. I don't know if you know them, Duncan and Neil. Mm-mm. They're, like, a little bit older than me. Uh-huh. And they... 29. They, exactly. They've been here for 25 years. Moved here when they were four. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they're, they're gorgeous drag queens. Or they're... they're, they're they, we, I worked with them a lot. And uh-huh. they're... they're, they're um, so... We've been talking, the first time I met them at one of my movie screening parties mm-hmm. at the cinema in, in Harajuku uh, mm-hmm. for my movie The Bloody Knockers, I think it was 2016 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, they were there, they got introduced to me, and we talked to them a lot, and then we clicked at Dario Argento. Ah. So that's why we became friends this this fast. That fast, yeah. I think it's the same with you and I me. know, when someone yeah. gets it, they get it. <laughs> <laughs> and so... One of my best experiences with Spirit was rewatching that in their really like cabin in Kamakura. They they live out oh, in the glamorous. In yes, there's gay couple living in Kamakura, uh-huh. and it's gorgeous there. And they have this projector, and they just show it on the wall. It's it's amazing. Uh, I remember yeah. showing Suspiria to a friend who had never seen it before. Oh right. And um, that first twelve minutes of the movie. It is the most... It's so intense. It's so intense and fascinating and yeah. unlike anything you've ever seen before. Because, like I mentioned, Argento is a little incompetent and has no idea <laughs> how to put a script together. He gets this, like, really, like, sheer force of will where he just puts his imagination on screen. And those first 12 minutes are intense and horrifying in a way that is unlike anything else. It's so scary. but It's so scary, yeah. It, but it's also it's very captivating. I, I, I was, like, hungover when I watched it um, oh, for this. Oh, okay. Being hungover is a great way to watch this movie with the overloud music and everything. It really dr- like drills it in. I'm like, oh, ouch. I like having a few glasses of wine when I watch it. Oh, yeah. like mm. Just like Susie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Getting a little, uh. <laughs> But no, it's like, th- that first 12 minutes, why is it so scary? I think because it's a very slow but very intense and very good build-up. Yeah. That's takes forever but it never gets boring Mm -hmm. because there's so many good cuts there's so many good lightings and the music just keeps on increasing every minute yes and it's like it gets into this big fucking um ultimatum Mm. in the end when it finally uh you know she gets killed the the big gory kill yeah the big gory kill and she like go down all of the steps and like uh-huh. yeah and yeah because um you know something is wrong immediately oh absolutely yeah even before the movie starts with like the the foreboding yeah because even when they have just the title cards on screen showing yes. like this is Suspiria here's the, and they has that voiceover mm-hmm. in the American version okay and oh yes exactly just like seeing that you know something is wrong and so when Susie Banyan gets off of the plane <laughs> and it's storming rain and it spends all this time yes. lingering on the woods and mm-hmm. these exhaustively long shots of her in the rain 
Yes, there's so much of it. You know something bad is going to happen, but you don't know what's coming. You don't know when it's coming. Yeah, and you think it's going to happen to her. You know it's going to happen, but you don't know when. Yeah, yeah, you think it's going to happen to her. Yeah, and so, of course, she gets to this dance school. The plot of the movie is that Susie Banyan is an American dancer. She goes to a dance school in Germany and uh, makes contact with the Coven of Witches. And, um... Who uh, run the school. And when... <laughs> and so when she gets to the school, her... One of the other dancers runs out. It's like out. a ballet Yeah, it's school. like a ballet it's school, like, yeah. Yeah, it's not just any kind of dance. No. And so then this girl runs home in a flurry knowing that something has gone deeply wrong. Yes. She goes to sanctuary in this apartment that is designed like a fever dream. Oh, absolutely. The design of that apartment it's also, is so grilled into it's my also brain. nice when she... Uh, I think it's Susie who rings the bell and uh-huh. tries to get into the school, but she cannot get into it. They don't let her in. They don't let her in. Yeah. So, right from the get-go, you're like, oh, something is wrong with this school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, so you know that something is wrong, something is wrong, something is wrong. And, like, yeah. when things start going wrong, which is when this girl who's run out of the school goes mm-hmm. into the apartment complex, yeah. and she goes into the bathroom... And she slowly starts to look out the window until she sees the eyes. It's so brilliant. Yeah. It's like so terrifying and great. Yeah, it's terrifying because what you're seeing is not something that would be presented to you as scary usually. No. Like, I, I understand the idea well, of looking out a window and seeing something that's not supposed to be there is scary. Yes. But in the, um, the, the filmic mode... movies understand that they have to be a little bit more bombastic and more paced and reserved. And instead, it just immediately blows up. The window breaks. Argento's all about breaking glass and starts strangling her. And he pushes her face against the window and she makes that disgusting, like, pig squealing face. Yeah. That is disgusting. (laughs) It's scary. No, it is. Because she looks like she's in real fear for her life. Fear isn't pretty. It looks like that... Right, right, right. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, she gets stabbed multiple times with a knife, and then uh, elaborately hanged outside of the glass window. All the glass breaks and yeah. uh, impales her friend. I want to be stabbed in the head with a big pane of glass. <laughs> you want to be stabbed everywhere. Everywhere. There's not one place I don't want to... With a pole. A big, there's a, there's sturdy a... pole. Yes, exactly. There's a really good kill in opera where... Uh, where he stabs up the mouth, and then you see the, the <laughs> knife in his mouth. I love that, too. Oh, yes, there is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Argento has so many good uh, killings, and the first one in Suspiria does not disappoint at all. It's, like, so fucking great. And it has her beating heart revealed. Because he, like, cuts her skin open, and her yes, heart is pounding in it. as well. And yeah. And it's like, oh. You would never think, because of course, like, it, bodies don't look like that. It looks like wax and fake gore. But the audacity and courage of this image and, and the idea to put it on screen is just so abrasive that you see the big, stupid, fake heart. Yeah. It's like, it's intense. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah. And also with the the goblin music, like, playing at its fullest. Yeah, because this is the one that's like, the dun 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 Yeah. <laughs> And it's like that screaming noise. I, I've heard lots of people complain about the loudness and the repetition, but mm-hmm. it's maddening. It makes you crazy. And it's it on makes pur- you crazy. Yeah, yeah. On purpose. Mm-hmm. I, I have never felt in any movie the way I have during those first 12 minutes. 
Yes, and I remember last week you talked about like Scream and the first killing there, but it it's not even comparable to this one, I think. I mean, it's it's a completely different idea. Yeah, because the even um, though they're same kind of slasher kind of idea. They're both slashers. They both die kind of like with knives and everything. Very gruesome. And with the the kill and Scream, the Drew Barrymore one, which Drew is the Barrymore. one I love so much. Oh, I like that too. Yeah, I, I mean, I love the first movie. Yeah, and the second. <laughs> I like the first two the most as yeah. well, and the fourth. But <laughs> I haven't seen the fourth and fifth. You'd probably like it. The fourth is. Oh, really? Good. The okay. fifth, um, yeah. After after hearing your podcast, I'm like, mm, maybe I should watch them. The fourth <laughs> is worth it, but okay. and they talk about Suspiria in the fourth movie too, mm. a lot. That's good. Yeah, but um, th- what makes the the Drew Barrymore slaughter different is that that movie is constantly like playing with like ideas about what you know, and yeah. this movie is just a absolute bulldozer. It's like a wild like. Animal. It's like the unknown is scary at some point. Like mm-hmm. because if you if you get fed information all the time, like in Scream, it's not as scary as if you're just completely in the black, in completely in the dark, and completely you know in the woods, in the rain, yeah. in the lit up taxi, and you're speaking and you German, no and your idea. taxi driver doesn't speak, doesn't understand what you're saying. Yeah, exactly, scary. it's scary. And like. I feel like the the kind of message, at least from these first 12 minutes, is that in order to truly horrify and evoke real feeling, you have to just completely trust your, like, spiritual... Your guts, exactly. (laughs) Like, your spiritual instincts, like, your your unadulterated ideas, and just put them out there with no irony or joke. Yeah. And that's when you make a master's piece. Yes. Obviously. And this movie gets better and better, honestly. Like, those first 12 minutes are fantastic, (laughs) but... Oh, it's so good. And I must tell you an un- uh, another... Uh, please, please, please. Uh, why I also love this movie so much. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I told you... I talked to you a lot. Was that in the... In this interview or in the... On Sirens, my, my Patreon yeah, show? Yeah, Patreon. Uh-huh. I can't remember. But I talked a lot about Malice Mister and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so Manasama at her concerts... She always plays the Suspiria soundtrack before she goes on stage. No fucking way. Yes, fucking way. It's always like da 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 da, da, da. for a long hour before she gets on stage. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Okay, because like Sus- so obviously Manasama is also a big fan of Dario Argento. Yeah, of course, of Suspiria course. is a drag movie. <laughs> you think so? Absolutely, because Susie Banyan, who is this like innocent, virginal, very beautiful, curly brown hair, mm-hmm. gorgeous. I mean, she has no character. No, <laughs> she's not. That's not a character. She's not a person. No, she's not a developed. She's a symbol. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But her symbol is purity, innocence, virginity, unpenetrated Curi- femininity. Curiosity. Originally, this movie was supposed to be cast with actual little girls. Was it? Yeah, they were supposed to make it with like 12 and 14 <gasps> year olds the whole time. <sighs> the studio said no. I think it's good that they didn't do that. I think it would have been interesting if they had done it and really killed them. It would have been, wouldn't have been, any, been anything else like that. But I do like this exactly. version because it's... I don't think the 12 year old would have acted as good as... Oh, certainly not. Especially no. those Italian ones in the what ADR. Is her, oh, Harper? No. What is her name? The, the um, Jessica Harper. Yeah, Jessica Harper. She's fantastic. She I is think. fantastic. Yeah. And... I don't know. There's something so compelling to me about this uh, pristine, unblemished image. Just getting exposed (laughs) to gradually more strange, disturbing imagery. But it also somewhat fits in with the 70s. Because Mm -hmm. people... I I, I was not... I mean, I didn't experience, unfortunately. But, like, 
my image of it is that people kind of somewhat were like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I think um I think the 70s was all about the loss of innocence, especially in America yes. because oh, right. like that was after like the JFK assassination, the death of Marilyn Monroe, the Charles Manson murders, um lots of political violence across the country and this is set when the Berlin Wall was still fucking standing. Of course, yeah. So the entire, like, political universe is kind of spinning in the background. And mm-hmm. to be a person in that time was to be, like, the little Susie Banyan, like, <laughs> clutching the knife and, like, shaking as you're, like, so horrified by all these uh, things around you. I guess so. But then there's also, like, the underground area with the disco and, mm-hmm. like, you know, gays being more... Well, it makes sense. Because yeah. the lighting and this, like, school of dance looks like a fucking disco. It does! And disco is horrifying. In I the best love way. discos. <laughs> no, I do too. But because it's like, Argento fundamentally understands that like imagery that's that tawdry and bright and like you know disco. The usage of scary. lighting and color in this movie is like I never seen anything like it before. No. And uh, this movie was still made in Technicolor. It's one of the it's one of the last <sighs> movies to I ever be made with Technicolor. Technicolor. Me too. Do you? Of course. Uh. Like, Funny, um, what was it? Uh, Funny Face with Audrey Hepburn is a great musical that's all done in Technicolor. Oh, I haven't seen it. Just the grandiosity of the color and, like, yeah. the, the worship of it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it feels simple, but, like, to really take a movie to just lavish in the brilliance and horror and abjection of color, it's yeah. really special. We talked a little bit about it before, but it's, it's definitely, like, an art movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you look at those rooms that she's standing in in the dance academy, you can't say anything else. Fucking gorgeous. I know. It's like, it's someplace you want to be, but the more you want to be there, the scarier it gets. Yeah. Yeah. And the the protagonist in this movie also recognized this. The more she spends in the school, the more scarier it gets. And like... Yes, because there's that really... There's like a bunch of like logistics in like the first half of the movie where they keep moving her around. Yeah. She's like... First she has to stay here, and then she has to stay somewhere else, and then she has to stay in the friend's apartment. Now she's back in the mm-hmm, school. And mm-hmm. now the school, the bedrooms, they have to sleep in the gym. It's, it, <laughs> they have to sleep in the, the gymnastics because... Uh, the maggots. The maggots. Yeah. And then there's <laughs> one of my favorite scenes is when the, um, the sleeping... Uh, ah, Mater Suspiriorum. The voice. Like, Helena Marcos. <sighs> Helena Marcos. Which they all pronounce differently, every single character. Helena Marcos calls herself Helena Marcus. And the they rest... don't pr- pronounce the H, though. This is Elena. I know. So everyone has a different name for her. <laughs> this Greek lady. Um, when that scene happens, when Susie is it's in the gym. It's so good. Because it's so intense. It is it is creepy to mm-hmm. hear her breathe that way. And yeah. it's it's a, an unsuspecting way to draw out the fear. Yes. I think it's such a good uh, build-up for what's going to come. Yes. If that makes sense. Because... She, obviously, there's going to be more encounters with her later in the movie. Uh-huh. And just having her there when they're forced to sleep in this room all together. Mm-hmm. And everybody can hear her breathe this scary way. And then they said, oh, this is the principle of the school. Mm. And she's supposed to be gone on vac- yeah, yeah, this movie this, keeps... Like, she's set- supposed to be yeah. gone, yes. This movie keeps setting up things that are like supposed to be like okay, but are they going wrong all the time. Right. The setups are so brilliant. Um, I think that my my favorite scene in the whole movie is yeah. the the elaborate like labyrinthian maze yeah. killing with the with the wire. Oh, with when she falls down the virus. yeah with Sarah. Her name's oh, Sarah. Yes, Susie's yes, yes. roommate Sarah, who is yeah. f- 
a little bit quicker to be privy on the fact that there are witches in the school. Right. Uh, she decides to go looking for them after counting the footsteps. Uh, and this is where you can like really see that it's like a Brothers Grimm inspired fairy tale because it feels like very like that kind of setup. And this is the first time Dario Argento went away from the Jalo, Jalo, and actually did horror and the occult and like yeah. you know something witchy. Yes, because he's never done that before, and it pays off so well. I know because like when when they're going when when Sarah's going through that. Um, there's this really ridiculous scene where she gets stabbed a few times and then she like locks herself in a room and, and she's trying to get out. She's trying to get out and she's like, she's like playing Minecraft or something. She's like building blocks (laughs) to get out. But the entire time the roaring soundtrack stops and the only sound you hear is the knife jangling against the door. Uh, It's fucked up. It's great. And then she climbs out the window, which in any other movie universe, you'd like land in a room. She lands in a pit of wires. It's so fucked up. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. It's actually one of the most disturbing things I can ever imagine. It's so disturbing. Especially since this scene drags on forever. Oh, God, I know. (laughs) It lasts for a whole two minutes where she's just writhing around in wires and you know she's getting more cut up with each passing second. And you know that each movement is going to rip her apart a little bit more. Uh, It's a a really, really uh, gruesome way to die, I think. It is. (laughs) <laughs> getting I, cut up slightly every second. And I was like more. reading a little bit about what some people thought about this. And some people thought that those were piano wires. Oh. I always thought they were like razors. I didn't know what they were. I don't really know what they are yeah, either. Because I, they're kind of big. They're, they're like, big. I just imagine they were sharp. This is, see, this is the thing. Argento had like an idea about what he wanted to envision on screen. Yeah. He had no plot justification or any rationale <laughs> behind it. But he said... Girl wrapped up in wires, scary, intense, and what he puts on on stage just like speaks to your soul. It's so violent. Yeah. <sighs> I, yeah, no, it's a scene you cannot forget. It's like really intense. It is. <laughs> With all that blue lighting as well. Yes. Oh my god. And the labyrinth itself is so good too. I know, because yeah. this is like a, basically underneath the school or whatever where the yeah, witches the congregate. And also when she finds on the murals or whatever there are, yeah. you know, the secret entrance to the back side of the school. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um, there's a few other good things in the movie. The um, blind piano player gets oh, eaten yes. by his dog oh, in yes. the middle of the empty square. Right. There's a scene that I love where Susie Banyan is talking to a psychiatrist who specializes in the occult and he just explains the entire plot of the movie to her which i love oh right yeah 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 because it's so and the mother of tear the the three mothers three mothers um explained to her i think it's mater suspiriorum mater tenembrum mater one other that i don't remember i just love the imagery of the three mothers tenebrarum suspiriorum and yeah i forgot the it's one like, that no one cares about. Mother of Tears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares about Italian? <laughs> well, Latin, I guess it is. Yeah. But, oh my God, it's so... I love that... Because this happens in Twin Peaks as well. At the, in The Return. One character just tells you everything that's happening. And I love when movies do that. <laughs> I love when someone it's just... It's so rare. It's rare because everyone's like, oh, it has to be a mystery. Come yeah. to your own conclusion. No, just say it. Yeah, just speak it out loud so we get it, like... Once again, Argento had an idea about something. It's he refreshing. didn't care about plot ideas or like pacing. He just said, here's <laughs> the whole story in front of you. And it makes the last 20 minute. Actually, that last scene is like a whole half hour when it's just Susie on her own. Oh, right. Um, 
Because after she learns this, Susie goes back into the house. No one else is there. They're at a concert. The last scene is also one of my favorites. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, it's so good. She uh, basically goes into the basement. She follows in Sarah's footsteps. She hears the wind. Hell is behind that the door. door. Oh, it's so good. Because <laughs> oh. she goes into the basement. She talks to all the witches. She hears all the witches talking she, about how they're going to kill her. She sneaks upon them like, yes. without being noticed. And then she goes into the room that's full of all these esoteric artifacts. Oh. These like pictures and these like strange... Um, completely unbelievable sculptures of peacocks. And there is a reference to uh, Dario Argento's first movie. Girl, uh, Crystal Plumage? Exactly. Yes. Because she takes the, yeah. the thing off the, the peacock. And I didn't realize that until recently when I saw the first movie. <laughs> well, I just loved how gaudy that was. Because it's yeah. like, when you're imagining like, oh, a witch's coven, you know, mm-hmm. you imagine like a, like a cauldron or whatever. And Dario Argento puts it like in this like, stupid disco gay club <laughs> neon room with a huge peacock it's very gay it's very gay it is gay yeah absolutely in the best possible way all the male dancers are like really like gay coded as yeah. well they have oh, like absolutely. lots of like chest hair or like none at all and they're like none of them are erotically appealing whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. The women are not interested in them the whole movie, knowing. Yeah, cares. no, the witches are probably like lesbians. Obviously. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're obviously dykes, yeah. and they like. They There's pro- also this creepy like the, imagery. The, 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 oh yeah. Oh yeah. Of the what is it like? This like the the, the Romanian th- guy. Is it a Romanian guy? I think they said he's Romanian. The guy who had no teeth that they put. Yeah. I, yeah. That's and, the only male presence in the movie, except for a few of the dancers. It's kind of funny. Right. 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 In one of the rooms she discovers in the end, there's like a really weird couple of like oh, a the young cooks? person and the, the old person. Oh, oh yeah, because there's the one old also house like, attendant Yeah, and the little blonde boy who's the nephew That's of it. Mater Blanc yes, or whatever. Yes, 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 yes. And he, he like they flashes. They are so creepy. They are creepy. And because the first time that they're scary in the movie is when mm. they're in the hall and like Susie walks by and they flash a light at her. And she becomes so perilously nauseous that she passes like like uh, passes out in dance class. Oh right. Oh, they are scary. I think this movie was um, a big reference upon Black Swan and other like dance movies. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean this is. Yeah. It's so interesting to to see like the setting is so original and like a dance school of witches is just yeah, lovely. I love it. And um, <laughs> yeah, the, the the big climax is that she uh is has to kill Mater Mater Superiorum. Elena mm. Marcos, who has made herself invisible. Yes. And uh, when she she finally gets to stab and her. But... Before we tell the, the ending, we uh-huh. should say that it feels like there's no way in fucking hell she's going to win against this, this, this supernatural power. No, no, it really they make doesn't. It, they, make, they make it feel like she's so helpless the whole movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how the fuck is she going to be this super witch, you know? Yeah, because, like, Susie never stands up for herself the whole movie. No, she doesn't. No, because she is the little... You know, yeah. little Bo Peep, you mm-hmm. know, Little Red Riding Hood. But like some of her friends who got killed along the way. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't stand up for herself at all. And it, the people who do stand up for themselves get gruesomely butchered. It, it seems completely impossible. <laughs> um, and it's funny because the way she kills Elena Marcos is so simple. She just pokes yeah, the, the, the lit it's up. It's too simple, I think. I almost. like it. But I like it too. I like yeah. it too. Uh, and then the death of her, uh, the psychologist explains that it's like cutting the head off of a cobra. And so then immediately all of the witches begin to gruesomely die. They're bleeding out of their mouths. Yeah, it's wonderful. And then the entire <laughs> dance school starts to The whole colony is like... It's like when somebody kills me, the whole house in mm-hmm. Schwarz just like evaporates. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, what I love about it is, like, it's so literal and, like, so true to the idea that, like, of course you have to blow the set apart. You have to explode everything. Everything has oh, to absolutely. go up in flames. No. And so watching her run through these gorgeous sets and all the harsh lighting with the roaring goblin soundtrack, everything exploding, it's ecstatic. Like you said, it's, it, it's fucking, it, it feels like euphoria. <laughs> yeah, it's it euphoric. Does. It is a little bit, yeah. Uh, and I love the credits that just have the witches screaming as they burn to death. It's, <laughs> it's so sad. And like Susie walks out and she's like, huh. And then she walks off screen and then they just cut to the burning house. And then it's like the movie's over. The credits roll. It's great. Okay. And now I want to talk to you a little bit about why you like the new Suspiria. Because I hate it. Okay. I love it. Yeah. I remember we, we had this conversation. But it should be on the podcast because yeah. we're talking about Suspiria. Well, like the... I want to cover... Um, yeah. the Suspiria remake. My, my plan is to cover no. it with um, the uh, Diary of Anne Frank. I wanted to do those two together. Oh, right. Okay. So, to me, Suspiria, the remake, and the, most re- and the original mm-hmm. are the exact same movie, but they're just opposites of each other. They, they, they totally are opposites of each other. They, it is the exact same everything. It is just done in like the well, negative it's, it's image. It's the same plot, for sure. It's the same plot. The idea because you know we were talking earlier about how virginal Susie Banyan is like you know being like uh, torn apart by the chaos of the universe and how everyone in the 70s felt that way oh right so they leave that up in the original to kind of the textural feeling of it and so the remake does it literally and they make everything extremely literal and they write everything out and they give like plot context and history and like the outside world encroaches upon it. And it's it. also like the, the wonderful Tilda... Tilda Swinton, Swinton in three roles. Oh, yes. She plays <laughs> Helena Marcos. She plays um, Mater Blanc. Or, sorry, uh, oh, Ma- yes, Madame Blanc. She's like a few characters. And she plays the, the man, the Nazi survivor. Tilda Swinton. You didn't know that? No, I did that. Oh, yeah, that's I, Tilda... I didn't know that. Yes, I did, but like... Yeah. I didn't know the first time I watched it that, that was The first Tilda time I watched it, I didn't yeah. recognize it. But then I read about it afterwards. Me too. Yeah. And so I like the... The first time I watched it, I was furious. Because like you, yeah, I, I, was, I, lo- I only watched it one time in a cinema with Belium Solanus mm-hmm. and Duncan O'Neill. Um, because, because we all love Suspiria, the original. And... I hated it, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, think, I fucking I hated they, it the first I, time I, I watched it. I hated it too. I hate... The first yeah. time I watched it, I was... So upset. I was upset. No, because I was, I was like... Enraged. I was enraged. And I, I don't like... I think Call Me By Your Name is a horrible movie and I hate it. Oh, I hate it too. And so I was already predispositioned to dislike the movie because I do not like the director, Luca Guanajuato. Exactly. And I do not like I Am Love. I think that's a terrible movie too. I don't know if I ever saw that. You shouldn't. Okay. Skip it. <laughs> Tilda Swinton's in that too. But then I realized oh. that actually... He is doing every plot idea, every thematic idea, everything, but he's just doing it in the exact opposite style of the original. What is the point of that, though? I think it makes it an original and compelling companion piece to the, to the first. Because for me, what he's doing is he's uh, taking the kind of subliminal and like less stated... Because there's a lot of like fear of the woman in the original, right? It's this movie that's about a coven of witches. Yeah. And it's all horrifying, and there's a lot of, like, menacing, like, female imagery. Oh, right. And so he decides to make that more literal and overstated. And so the the mother dying and doing the same breath that, you know, um, 
Mater Sisporiorum does. And oh. There's okay. like that. I love that the soundtrack is also like an avant-garde Tom I York. I hate the soundtrack. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I like that they do it in the opposite <laughs> color palette. I like that they do it muted and gray. It's so bland. It's like... It's not quite bland. Because actually bland movies are like... Transformers or something. Mm. Mm. Marvel. Yes. Because, you know, Marvel movies... I get movies, the same feel from this one. No, no. No? The colors are much... Because everything feels like it's woven. It feels like a sweater. The colors are actually very deep, but they just look flat on first inspection. Maybe so. Uh, maybe I need to give it a second chance. You should give another shot. Because yeah. I'm telling you, I hated it the first time. And why did you decide to watch it a second time? Because I kept thinking about it. Yeah. Because I was like, why did I dislike this movie so much? Mm-hmm. And the reason I thought I disliked it was because I said, I don't like that they brought all of this like World War II stuff up for no yeah. reason. But then I realized it actually is there for a reason. The reason is that um, Luca Guadagno detected that those stresses and those undercurrents of horror and like yeah. all of these big cultural traumas were affecting the Argento movie. And so instead of letting them be under the skin, he oh, decided to make okay. it way overstated. Oh, I didn't realize that. But I, yeah, because I, I, I was really annoyed about yeah, no, the Nazi I was stuff. About I'm like, too. shut the fuck up. I mean, <laughs> it, it's interesting, but it doesn't like, why do you have to keep on like pushing this? Too and I was much? like, where is this going? What's the point? Um, yeah. I also think that the the piss scene when that one character gets like possessed or whatever, it's in the very it's like in the first forty minutes when Dakota Johnson as Susie Banyan does the dance. Oh yes. And then the woman in the other room starts contorting and like pissing herself. And, like, oh right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. That was <laughs> that was very visceral. gruesome. That was like very visual. So when I watched when I watched that scene the first time, I, like, that hooked me in and then the next two hours of the movie because it's fucking forever I was like so bored I'm like what's going on and then the ending (laughs) I love the ending it's so chaotic the ending is very you can't do anything else but laughing like I think it's very Argento though I feel like it's a contemporary Argento because like it's quite artsy it is very artsy yeah um because it's annoying because the way he cuts it is that that like the broken slow motion camera where every mm-hmm. shot comes like too late. Yeah. And so you can't really tell that people are exploding or whatever. But those big bright red lights and the people like dance it feels like it feels like it feels yeah, like Argento a, a to homage me. Homage to Argento. Yeah. But it came too late for me. Argento did not like the movie. He did like the movie. I thought he didn't like it. No, I think he, he gave the the approval of releasing this movie. Oh yeah. I think he didn't like it after the fact though. After oh, the, really? Yeah. I think, maybe he showed them something else. First. I don't know what, what they saw. <laughs> I heard that he liked it, but maybe... I'm I don't wrong. know either, Yum. But in any case, I, I love the, the remake now. I hated it before, and now All I'm right. into it. All right. Give another try. All right. When you're in the mood for a very long, artsy, rainy movie, November is a good time to watch it. Okay. And wear a it's big... coming up. It's wear coming a up. big sweater and have, have a beer instead of a wine. I hate beer. But it's a movie set in Germany, in Deutsch. Deutsch. Yeah, but there's <laughs> other things to drink in Deutsch besides yeah. beer. Now, what do you think is like the theme of the original Suspiria? What is this movie saying to you? The theme. Because like, to me, this movie has a lot to say. But like yeah. I said, it's under the table. They never tell you. And this movie is all about... Uh, the innate thrill of sexuality and what it means to like give into sexual desires and the ruination that that also provides. 
for me, oh. watching all of these female characters who are very virginal and sweet, and they have like their, you know, fairy tale attire, and then watching them get beautifully ravaged by Argento's arm. Yeah, yeah. He presents it in a way that's ecstatic and explosive and orgasmic, <laughs> and I feel the same way. Yeah, I I don't feel the sexual approach as much as you do, but I think that's probably a um, matter of perspective. A matter of perspective. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not attracted to girls, and I. I know you're not too, but like at the same time, it's like I didn't see the eroticism so much. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But I, it's probably there for sure. Uh, I, I don't know really, but how can you not love like a covenant witches in a ballet school? Like, <laughs> that's come so on, true. come on. <laughs> that's well, I mean, that's the correct or gentle philosophy about it. It's not about yeah. the actual plot or the themes. No, it's not. It's about. <laughs> fierce cunty slay diva ballet witches in the dance school I know yeah. that's the correct reading of it <laughs> now as I've uh, mentioned on this show every episode this season uh, I'm recreating the world my my show in season 2 the world ended and now right, I right. have come back I'm the god of the new world and I am creating the next universe I am Mater Suspiriorum what do I take out of Deep Red, Dario Argento, and Suspiria into my new world? What What do I need to bring with me? You need to bring something more fabulous. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's true. No, it's absolutely true. Art for art's sake. Gaudy, yeah. flashy, colorful, vibrant, angry. Absolutely. Yeah. Give it to me every day. I mean, we were talking at the beginning, you know, and complaining a little bit on the Patreon about how Japan has become quite... Conservative. Conservative and bland. Yeah. What we need to do is just erupt it all into orgasmic goblin color. That's what I'm trying to do with House Monster <laughs> Yes. And that's why I feel like my mission with all of you really aligns. And like every time I've been on stage, I'm like, I'm doing Silent Hill drag or it something. Was great. Yeah. Thank you. But it's like, I feel the same way. Like my drag, I want to like recreate the world with it. If you have nothing to say about your drag, why are you doing it? Like Exactly. It, oh, you want to dance? You want to look pretty? I don't care. Exactly. At all. <laughs> like, when I go on stage with, like, everyone there, like, everyone is, like, not only are they recreating their gender and, like, mm-hmm. pushing against yeah. the heterosexual universe to create themselves as they want to be seen, they're doing that with the whole universe. Yeah. And it, it's, like, it's not even about gender anymore. It's more, like, about, you know, perspectives and, you know, trying to get your own world created, as mm-hmm. you say. Like, it's so important. Yeah, and Argento is one of the best to ever do it. Absolutely. He I has mean, such a beautiful worldview. Yeah. <laughs> he sees the world with such a clear eye. Uh, uh, such an everlasting inspiration of mine. Me too. Yeah. Let's do an Argento number someday. We must. <laughs> How can we ever do that? Has, I, I feel like there's like a Suspiria <laughs> number like lurking somewhere that can yeah. be done. Um, I know you mentioned earlier that you wanted to talk about some House von Schwartz stuff or like do some promo. Oh, right. So I, I kind of want to um, introduce my new movie, which is called Spoiled Identity. Oh, tell me everything. Yeah, tell me, tell me. So it's not a horror movie anymore. Uh, I, <laughs> anymore, but it's never was a horror movie. It's me and Duncan that I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. We are directors and editing the movie together. So it's a passion project and it's hopefully coming out later this year. But we're not sure. Uh-huh. And um, well, anyway, keep your eyes open for a spoiled identity. Great. It uh, it includes a lot of queer culture, both in and outside of Japan. Great. And it's like really fascinating, I would say. 
I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a cut of it done already? Um. Well, I have a few cuts okay. done already. <laughs> I we we shot can't everything wait to watch it. and we have edited like ninety percent, so it's very oh. like in the. Oh, you're almost there. We're almost there. I can't wait to watch it. I know it's gonna be so good. <laughs> well, uh, when it's out and ready, you can come back on the show and we'll talk about it together, please. Oh, please, yeah, please, please, and maybe please, we can please. have Duncan as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm just so happy that we got to look. Like I said, and to also, have this long... come to House on Strauss show. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, you have a next one is Fresh Meat, right? That's right, November twelfth, and uh, we're also gonna have another Cascade of Horrors on December third. Okay, I have almost all of my listeners are overseas, but if you are in Japan, I will right. see you there, bitch. Yes, see you yes. there, bitch. <laughs> and um, all I can say is that I'm just so happy to be live oh. in my house in person with someone who understands Argento and wants oh. to recreate the world in such a beautiful vision. Oh my god. No, thank you for having me. It's been so much fun to talk about Argento. And you had so many good views that I didn't think about even. So oh. thank you for opening my eyes to others' perspective about Argento that I didn't think about. Before.